Over two-thirds of the league has at least two wins through four games of the summer 22 season, and the guys are here to break down all the action. Week four featured a ton of good matchups, including a finals rematch. We're going to start there. Welcome to the week four postgame show, Tim, Caesar, and Ryan. You'll be hearing from them in a second. Uh, we're going to break down the games, preview week five, which is a little smaller slate because of the holiday, and then clear up some controversy with some of the spreads on the podcast. PJ and Dan Ruggiero like to get me in trouble. What the, I didn't do anything. The hell did I do? Uh, let's jump into it with the game of the week, guys. Lab City and the Werewolves. Again, you guys can give me a thumbs up. They probably can't even see you right now. I know how to pick the game of the week. Head nods. Thank you. I know I do. Uh, Werewolves and Lob City lived up to the hype. Of course, we're going to get there. Uh, how Lob City didn't have their entire team. But still, being right is being right. Uh, Lob City does hold on and win by three. We're going to break down that game. 62-59. So, yeah. I mean, Werewolves had five guys. So, that's kind of been their thing this season. And so did Lob City. So, I think that played a huge factor in this. But... Heston made a three from a very similar spot to where he did. And I think I even showed you guys the highlight in training uh, of that snap story where he got fouled on that three in the finals. And it was a very similar spot where he ended up making the three down by four. I'm pretty sure to cut it to one with like under 30 seconds left. And so even Cody Crawford admitted after the game got a little scary, <laughs> even for himself. He was, he was like, I, you know, still up in the air at that point, Lob City makes their free throws and they escape with the three point win. Uh, we will go to Caesar first. Uh, we'll get him in on this. So, you know, you can touch on Lob City, but even the end of that game, you know, what did you see and kind of what was the difference for Lob City to be able to uh, get the win? Yeah, so I think to start, uh, like you said, Lob City, usually they come with a, a full team. They're like eight or nine people deep. So it's really – they can get a lot of people because uh, they can get a lot of people rest, excuse me. And uh, – Oh, I wasn't sure if you could hear me. So, yeah, they can get a lot of people rest and just them having five players, I think maybe they weren't entirely sure how they were going to kind of run a rotation to get people rest, but to also, you know, make it a competitive game. And that's something that the Werewolves definitely took advantage of since they always only have five players. Uh, it was a great game. You definitely picked the right one for the game of the week. Um, it came down to the wire. when In the first quarter when the Werewolves were up, I really wasn't expecting that. And then, you know, like at halftime, Lob City kind of took the lead there. But, uh, yeah, it was a great game. And Cody Crawford did a great job with 23 points, shooting 47% from the field. And also Nuri Mohamed – probably butchered that, but, you know, I actually thought that he did a great job, not only playing, but I felt like he was being like a, a great leader during the game. Uh, he was very vocal throughout the whole thing and he was setting the tone from very early in the game, you know, how he wanted the game to be played. It was a physical competitive game. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, even looking at some of these stats, I mean, Brian Hef Heston stuffed it as usual, only two for 11 from three. So I'm sure he would have liked a couple more of those to go to kind of keep his team in it. And, you know, more than they already were in the second half, 23 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists, six steals for Heston. So, you know, that's like normal, you know, as you guys have seen here through four weeks, Cody Crawford, 23 and 12 rebounds, uh, Colin Burns kind of just doing his thing, but only, you know, seven for 21 for Colin, which normally I think that's a huge factor. You know, normally the way he plays attack, 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 
that field goal percentage is usually going to be higher. Nuri Mahmoud, exactly right, 11 points, eight rebounds. And it's sometimes just because he's a bigger body and he plays like a bigger body, some of his impact on the game doesn't always show up in that box score. Um, but that presence down low. And I think that was one of the keys. And I kind of want to, um, I know the other two weren't on this game, so we'll get to them in a second. But kind of going back to Caesar really quick, like, you know, I know that was going to be a huge factor. The Werewolves aren't the biggest team. Lob City has some size. No Jose, no Victor Cashew Jr., no Greg Holt, notably uh, for Lob City. And so how were the Werewolves able to overcome that size difference? Because Colin Burns, we, we touched on all of them, right? Colin Burns, Nuri Mahmoud, I mean, even Josh Smith, you know, they're, they're bigger. They play bigger. So how, how were the Werewolves able to stay in the game despite the lack of size? Yeah, well, the Werewolves, they, like, yes, Brian Heston, he's always going to come out and he's going to put up, like, a full, complete stat sheet. But the Werewolves are, they can shoot. The whole team, they can really pass it around and make some buckets. Gino Forte had 16 points and Joe Palazzo had 11. And usually, number 12, Jared Ganser, he only had five points, but he can shoot. He can pull up, and I think... If he didn't shoot, he shot one for seven from three. I'm not sure what he usually shoots, but I know it's better than that. So if he made, let's just say, two or three more threes, it's a completely different game. So the Werewolves, like, they're a good team. They got a lot of ballers on their team. For sure. And so, you know, again, two teams that we hope we'll get to see play again, that's for sure, especially after that game. So uh, Lob City improves to four and oh, the Werewolves two and two, and we have five teams at two and two. So that's just a log jam there that will hopefully figure itself out. But Lob City, one of the two remaining undefeated teams, we're going to get to the two winless teams that entered week four. And that means one team had to get the win. So there you go. So they were down to one team without a win. Lincoln 18ers do come out on top over bogey kicks. Uh, thank goodness they scored 14 points each in the fourth quarter, right, guys? Uh, I know it was low scoring throughout and uh, took, you know, some back and forth uh, for both teams. Again, 51-44, Lincoln 18ers get the win. Um, I know uh, we'll go to Tim first on this one. You know, coming in, I, I knew it would be a close game. I'm glad it was a close game. What was the key for the Lincoln 18ers? And I know I go to that a lot, but especially in a game like this where, you know, both teams have struggled putting it lightly, you know, and the Lincoln 18ers, I think not even so much. And, you know, they almost had the Duyez boys in week one, if we remember, and it was a close game. We were, you know, weren't really expecting that. I, I wasn't. And so they come in 0-3 after playing well. And so, Tim, you know, how, how were they able to get the win? Yeah, so uh, for the Link, Lincoln 18ers, I, I really think it came down to the strategy they had of limiting bogey and transition. Uh, Lincoln – you, you, uh, there's no bonus in this league. So you can, you can foul as much as you want to stop people in transition. And that's what Lincoln did. Um, yeah, it was a very, very uh, slow first half, 23-23. But Bogey, I feel like Bogey always has that one quarter where, like, they just can't score. And a lot of things I saw was Depina and uh, Chase Banks, who uh, was a new player this week, were just driving into traffic and either turning it over or – kicking it out to a shooter who inevitably missed. So I just think they need to diversify their offense a little more because what they're doing now isn't really working too much, just giving David and Chase the ball and saying, make something happen. I think I need to see a little more off-ball movement to get some more things going for them. 
Yeah. And so, you know, even just looking at some of the stats quickly on this game, I mean, three for 25 stands out to me from three for bogey kicks. We'll get over to Ryan in a second to even touch on, you know, what he saw was the key and, you know, Brendan Reddington uh, and Jason Madwood led the way 10 point eight, 10 points each. So balanced scoring, even though not a lot of scoring balanced scoring for uh, the Lincoln 18ers, every player had at least four points. So there you go. And there's seven of them. So, you know, they're coming at you with all different types of players, but Ryan, you know, what'd you see over there uh, in this matchup? Yeah, I think that uh, the Lincoln 18ers, they, they've adopted this defense where it's like a, uh, it's like a diamond basically. And uh, so they're, so they're able to uh, stretch out to the three point shooters in the corner and stuff like that, and still have at least one guy in the paint to guard that. And I think also what was important was uh, that uh, Ethan Cloutier after going over last week was able to hit three shots. Uh, so I, so that was definitely uh especially since we talked last week about how like if he had made some shots they might have actually they could have had a chance to win that game so they could technically have two wins if he didn't you know go over for last week but being able to knock down some shots and um help the team uh with scoring wise and then that defense i think was a big part of the win yeah for sure and so like we talked about the lincoln 18ers get their first win and bogey kicks looks for their first win next week we're going to preview those matchups coming up uh, let's go to the next matchup here. So Rhode Island Warriors and the halfway crooks. Let's get to the spread conversation. I don't make the spreads, damn it. <laughs> so again, I'll point you to PJ, and then PJ will very politely point you to Dan Ruggiero, who's not even at the game. So there you go. But that's from our low post podcast. You guys can check that out wherever you listen to your podcast. They set week five spreads or the next week spreads, and they'll be setting spreads for week five. And uh, even Dan was on Twitter this morning, which is Tuesday morning. So the day after the games, like no one's perfect. Like Vegas isn't perfect. Neither am I, <laughs> but he shared with us his whole, you know, offensive efficiency rating. And, you know, he's dropping stats all over the place and I was coming up with his rating. So that's where that comes from. But I know one thing, uh, Gian Avendisian's favorite color is purple because the kid couldn't miss. And it's uh, the Rhode Island Warriors, 82, 74, taking down the halfway crooks. Both of those teams are now two and two. So there we go. Um, and that's kind of, you know, uh, the Rhode Island Warriors have won two in a row, I'm pretty sure, and the Halfway Crooks have lost two in a row. So let's kind of break down how we got there. Um, you know, of course, I lived it. Um, but again, you know, six, it felt, I think it was five or six threes in a row for Gian in um, that third quarter. And, you know, the Crooks were able to match him, but it was matching twos with threes. Despite all that, uh, it was within a two possession game multiple times in the fourth quarter. And, uh, down to one or two or maybe three in the final minute, minute and a half. Um, but it was, you know, the Rhode Island Warriors without Kevin Figueredo. And so again, a team you would think, you know, and this is one thing we talked about before we came on the air, right. Um, a team that you would think because of their lack of size without Kevin Figueredo would be struggling to rebound, would lose that, especially against a team like the halfway crooks that has a Jeff Winchell, they were in it, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys get to the stats, but they were even rebounding with the halfway crook. So that's a huge thing. They made, what did I say? 13 threes guys. So um, we can go to Caesar again on this one uh, on court one, but you know, the shooting stands out to me. Um, but again, a really good game between two teams that, you know, are, are right there in the mix for sure. Uh, as we get to the playoff time, Caesar, especially in that fourth quarter, we'll go uh, Rhode Island Warriors first. You can get it out of the way if you want to talk about Gian, you know, right away. I'm in, right? Um, but even besides him, you know, I mean, you'll tell me how many points he had, but some of the other players really stepped up. Yeah, so, well, I want to start with this game was 
it was closer kind of than what I thought it would be, what I thought it would be. No offense, Joey and halfway crooks. But there were a couple points in the game where I was looking at the score and it just kind of seemed like the Warriors were running away with it. And then I would look back and it'd just be like a super close game. And that happened a couple of times. And then, like you said, like in the fourth quarter, it was just like it was a super tight game, like one, two possessions that really altered the way of the game. And yeah, Gian, obviously he went off. He had 41 points, but I think it would be disrespectful to the Warriors to say that he he did carry the load, but to say that they didn't like, you know, play well because everyone else, no one else shot below 33%. And I mean, that's not terrible on uh, six attempts. Like everyone was making their shots, what they were putting up. It just happened that Gian went on a, three-point hot streak and just didn't miss for like five straight minutes like that'll that'll help the team win but it was like I said it was a really good game and there were points where I'd be like oh like they're gonna run they're gonna run away with it and the halfway crooks they would just storm back and you know make it a super tight game so I thought it was a really entertaining game on both sides yeah, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about the Warriors, especially when we get to some of those questions at the end of the show about, you know, what team to keep an eye on, a matchup next week, all that good stuff. So not to shift the conversation to the halfway crooks, but a promising thing for them is being able to kind of battle back multiple times, right? Kind of just like Caesar said. And so that's what I'll throw to Ryan. You can take it from either angle, right? What did the halfway crooks do to kind of battle back? What did the Rhode Island Warriors stop doing that allowed the crooks to battle back? What, what happened in those moments where, again, yeah, so right before halftime, it was 11, 12, or 13 points-ish, and then I believe at halftime it was single digits again, and I know the math is there, but um, we'll get there. And then I know in the third quarter as well, Gian's hitting all those shots, right? And it, it's on the verge again of getting up to 15, 16, 17, and was never really able to get there. So, Ryan, you know, again, either way, right? What did the Crooks do? What did the Rhode Island Warriors stop doing during those stretches? Yeah, I think what uh, kind of what the crooks did was that they kind of, they kept their composure. I think uh, having Jared Hansen as your point guard, uh, he's able to when he senses a lead, like a game potentially slipping away, he's able to step in there, get the team under control, and he played a huge factor in getting uh, halfway crooks into that single digit, cutting the lead to single digits at halftime, and then bring them back. And especially in that fourth quarter, he had he he had an and one that I. That I think cut it to a point, maybe, maybe two or tied it, which was, and you could see how excited he was. He let out a big let's go. And so I think his presence and just that he's been there before, he's played before, and he's, he knows what he, he knows how to control a game. And I think that was important for the halfway crooks and allowing them to get, and allowing them to get back into the game. Yeah. And that will definitely be important going forward for that team. Hanson, 24 points, four threes. So again, that's kind of, you know, where he's been able to be really good this season. Um, and Freeman led the way with 27. We get down to Gian just to give you some stats, 41 points on 15 of 29. So you'll take that, you know, from for a field goal percentage perspective. And then seven for 18 from three for Gian. So, you know, yeah, if he's going to make seven threes, he's going to have a huge night and you're going to notice he's out there, right? Um, you know, we, t- we looked up last week just to kind of dig the dagger in the halfway crooks, you know, one for 11 last week. Right. So we'll, we'll find out if that's, you know, an aberration from three for him, 
or if it's somewhere in between these two days, but he shot it really well in week four and deserves credit for that for sure. 41 and eight. Um, Hachi, a mini 21 and, you know, 21 points, five, you know, made threes. And again, he seemed to hit them on those kickouts from Gian, right? So we were just talking about the Lincoln 18ers. Somebody, no, bogey kicks was kicking it. And, uh, you know, people were missing shots, right? So that was a key for the Rhode Island Warriors. You know, Gian was doing his thing. And then when the defense did collapse, he had people hitting shots for him. So again, both of those teams are now two and two. Let's kind of go to that nine o'clock game and we'll save the lone blowout. Yeah, the lone blowout for last. Uh, only one margin of more than nine points. There you go. Math on the spot. See, I can do it all. Uh, Duye's boys in Sin City. Duye's win by nine. I know everyone kind of saw this game, but uh, it was tied at 50, like we talked about. I think Yarsi was asking us after the game, like, you know, what was the run at the end of the game? So it would be a 9-0 run for the Duye's boys to close it out. A couple threes from uh, Vinny Volpe, kind of when they were down two, I believe he hit one and they got a steal. He hit another one, right? So they go from down two to up four in that scenario in the final couple minutes. And you can see Sin City, you know, we talked about a team who had been there before or Jared Hansen who's played in games before. This was a classic, classic, classic of Duye's just never really, and I'll let you guys talk, never really losing their composure, right? We're good. You know, we're down four with five to go. No problem. Right. And never got really bigger than that. Cause then it gets a little, tricky but battled back battled back they missed a lot of shots and then you know that's for sure i think we can all agree on that and i think they'll admit that um they had a lot of open looks and missed them and of course you know they didn't want to do that last week right they they saved all their misses for this week um but despite all that win by nine take down sin city sin city now two and two i think either way do boys Yep, two and two for Sin City. Duye's boys are that other undefeated team, 4-0, and we'll get to them taking on Lob City next week in a second. Tim, because um, you haven't said anything in a while, let's get you back in here. Duye's boys, but especially that fourth quarter, if you want to focus on that. I talked about composure. I know I stole the show, right? Composure, you know, Vinny made some shots, but what else happened that allowed them to get the win? Yeah, so the fourth quarter was definitely a different game for how it was going in the third. In the third quarter, it looked like Sin City was kind of going to run away with this one. Devin Pina went on a run. Justin Titsworth hit some big shots. And it, in the fourth quarter, we just we saw this this DNA from Duye's boys. Uh, late in games, they execute. Um, I think uh, their small lineup, it's a really good adjustment they have when Shane Patrick's out of the game. Guys like Vincent Volpe and John Coutu, they have to guard the bigs like uh, Javon Morris and Devin Pina. And I know I saw John Coutu uh, manning down in the paint, trying to cover Pina down there. Um, it takes a team effort to stop guys like that, and they definitely did that. Um, I, my stat of this game is six offensive boards for John Coutu, and they were big. Um, he did not have the best scoring game or shooting game, but he still finds a way to make an impact and get his team wins. Yeah, you said it perfectly um, as we have the stats on the screen here. But, you know, Kutu 11 points, two for 10 shooting, two for seven from three. So, you know, obviously he made some free throws, but nothing besides threes went down for him. Um, but six offensive rebounds, yeah, huge and, you know, timely, right? So we talked about them not being able to make a lot of the shots they would normally make. Well, one way to kind of overcome that is to get those offensive rebounds, and that's where what he was doing. But, yeah, um, Kutu. I mean, Tartaglia plays a little bigger than he might look, you know, at first glance. And especially, you know, Vinny Volpe from last week playing against Winchell and the Crooks. This week taking on the big bodies of Sin City. They they hold their own with that small lineup. Uh, it is, a, you know, I'm pronouncing it the lineup of death. 
That's for sure. They deserve that. I mean, Lob City is going to have their own lineup of death, but this is for sure. And we saw it in week three against the Crooks really, really proved to be successful when they go Volpe, Yarsi, Tartaglia, and Kutu. And then we saw it again this week. So it doesn't matter the size difference, right? They have that lineup in their back pocket, right? And they can go to it down the stretch of a game. They can go to it in a second quarter when things aren't going so well and the run's going to come. And so it says a lot about them. And, you know, we're going to get to that matchup because the true test against size will be next week against Lob City, right? Not many teams have the skill and the size like Lob City does. Before we get to next week, um, and I will get back to you guys, I want, this is a, you know, a, a huge game and we'll get to um, Caesar, then we'll go to Ryan as well. But Caesar, I'm putting you on the spot with Sin City. So, you know, four guys, um, they had one sub, but I know he didn't, you know, play a ton um, and Garen, but, you know, what did Sin City do well? Cause you know, they held Dewey's boys to five points there in the third quarter. And then even in the fourth, we talked about it, they had a lead. And so, you know, if you had told me coming in, Sin City would have a, you know, four point lead with five to go, you would take it if you're Sin City, right? So how'd they get to that point? How, how were they able to get that lead? Yeah. So I, I actually really like Sin City. They, they have the number one Devin Pina and uh, who's the other big, which number is he? Javon Morris. Javon Morris. Yep. They're like, they're big. They're not small bodies. So when they utilize them like the right way, and when they're playing well, they're kind of dangerous. And I know that even Sin City, they, they didn't have a full lineup. They were missing a couple of people. So with what they had, I thought they're, you know, playing really well. And like you said, it was a 50, 50 point game at one point. And it just looked like the momentum was really swinging their way and that they were going to be able to pull off the upset. But I don't want to take away from the fact that Sin City is a good basketball team. And I really think that they're, they're a better team than what they're playing right now, but they really got to, you know, kind of put the league on notice. Yes, they lost, but they didn't go out quietly. They definitely fought every minute of that game. So props to them. Yeah, for sure. And Ryan, I'm not a liar. So we'll go to you. Uh, Duye's boys. I know we talked about Volpe, right? What was a dip? What was another key um, in that fourth quarter for them or even in the game? I mean, they were able to stay in the game and kind of battle the bigs, but you know, give me the key for, for the Duye's boys for you. Yeah, I think uh, early on, at least it felt like Shane Patrick uh, was able to defend uh, Pina down low when they would, when they would go at each other down low in the post and he was in Shane held his own and was able to, it seemed like disrupt Pina's game early on. And that kind of allowed Dewey boys to get out early and get on that run. And obviously we know he's a big talker. So he was able in that, and he did kind of get in that uh, Javon Morris's head in that, in that fourth quarter. Um, But I think ultimately uh, like bring Brian Yarsi, I think he started on the bench. We'll bring him off the bench of being, uh, I mean, he played late minutes and being subbing in for Shane is just a huge, he's basically just like if you, a fifth man that is basically a starter on every other team. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's an MVP candidate on his own team, which we've seen. So that's not even a prediction. That's a, like fact from the past. Right. Um, exactly. Right. Cool. Let's get to that last game. And so the ozone boys get their first win. So there we go. And I know I, I, uh, helped make sure they were properly ranked in the power rankings coming in. And again, I like being right. So there you go. Um, but the ozone boys take down only the fam one thirteen sixty five. So only the fam after starting two and O again has lost two games and now is two and two. 
Ozone Boys improved to one and three, and I think they can join that bunch of two and two teams rather quickly. So that's another team that is going to be in that, that middle group, which seems to be nearly everybody in the league, right? Um, I didn't see a ton of this game, so this is awesome. I know Tim was over there. Let's get back to him. What the heck happened? So we got 25 to 13 after the first quarter and then a huge second quarter, it looks like, to kind of blow it open. Um, and, you know, Jaron Thomas did his thing, but Paul McGuire, I know I've seen some highlights, but what was, you know, how did Ozone do it? Because, uh, yeah, that's that's a bigger margin than I thought. I know I, I thought Ozone would win. I, I just I'm a fan of the Ozone boys after having my history with them. They joined the league. They were all, you know, puffing their chest out as they still do. Um, you know, thinking they're better than everybody. And, you know, I was talking my crap on the post game show just like this. And then they proved me wrong. And so now I'm an Ozone Boys fan. But what they do uh, last night, Tim, on, on core three? Uh, yeah, this one was not really close from the start. Um, the thing about Ozone Boys, they just have a different dynamic than different teams with their ability to sub and their depth. Uh, everyone on this team can play and dribble and shoot and pass. Uh, there's no drop off really well maybe a slight drop off going to their bench but i mean they still have guys that can put the ball in the hoop um only the fam um they didn't shoot well but i just their defense is not uh, obviously they allowed 113 points and a lot of that was in transition so yeah their defense just has to be better if they're gonna be able to compete with the more top teams in the league um, Paul McGuire definitely was the mvp for ozone boys he did pretty much a little bit of everything uh, I think his poster could be the top play of the week. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, big contributions from Zach Brooks, their point guard, and Luke Hogan had a number of dunks and uh, lob dunks as well. But, yeah, um, I'm impressed with those in boys. It's my first time seeing them, and I don't think their negative record will last. I don't. Yeah, for sure. And uh, let me turn this off. All right. And so, yeah, let's get to uh, some of the week five matchups, guys. We're going to have you bet the house again. Did anybody lose the house last week? No, really good. All right, perfect. I mean, I'm not really checking, so you guys could be lying. Um, no big deal. But let me pull up the, uh, the week five schedule. And so we'll, uh, yeah, we can have you guys. Um, we'll, we'll touch on these matchups. And I know we're going a little long today, but that's all right. Um, only four matchups in week five. And so again, it's like I know what I'm doing with the schedule, right? So both teams that have lost two in a row, the halfway crooks and only the fam will face off. So one team will not lose three in a row. I promise you that. Uh, halfway crooks and only the fam. We'll do, let's do it this way. Uh, Caesar, I'm going to give you that one. Halfway crooks and only the fam. Is that all right? Head nod. Okay, cool. So just as a preview quick, what's going to be a key to that game for you? And we'll just kind of go this way and kind of touch on each one. But what's a key for the halfway crooks? taking on only the fam, both two and two coming in? I think one important thing that the halfway crooks, what they need to get going is spreading the ball around a little more. There's a lot of turnovers that go around with the team. And there's one player that I really like, I feel like doesn't maybe shoot enough. Number 24, Mike Wilbur. He has a three-point shot. I love his <laughs> that shot. That was your chance. What the hell is that? Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love his shot. He uh, He's hit a couple deep threes before, so I really think if, you know, you can get him going, uh, it could be the difference. Yeah, Caesar's the honest one. He's not going to suck up. I get it. I, I got I to gotta pick, my, pick my battles here. Uh, the other game at 7 o'clock will go right in order. The Werewolves 
take on Bogey Kicks. So a former player from the Werewolves, Matt Bogazian, started his own team in Bogey Kicks. They're 0-4 looking for their first win. The Werewolves find themselves at 2-2. Two two. Um, that'll be a fun game. I know that they're like friends off the court too. So that, that always makes for a good game. Um, Ryan, does that work for you? We're all right with that? Okay, well, all right, good. Just making sure. Because if you haven't seen one of those teams, it's not fair to put you on the spot. But werewolves and bogey kicks besides the usual because i expect brian heston i don't care who he's playing right he's going to stuff the stat sheet but even like in addition to that what's kind of the key to that matchup um you know bogey kicks can they get their first win um i think it will i think that'll be a tough test i think uh the big part about bogey kicks is that like the pina he likes going inside he likes getting those dunks and those layups and when you have brian heston standing in the middle there uh that's going to be a tough that's a tough task so I think, uh, uh, so that will be a, that if bogey kicks can get some outside shooting, maybe they'll, uh, be able to, you know, keep pace with the werewolves. And I think for the werewolves, it's do, does other people, uh, do, can they have five guys so that they can make a sub at least. And then also like do others show up and make the knockdown shots to help Brian Heston. Cause I, it, that will be important. Yeah. And so I, I might've mentioned it before and I'm really not even trying to like rub it in, but we talked about the, the long shooting. I mean, Boogie kicks just went three for 25 from three, right. Against the Lincoln 18 ers and the werewolves. I mean, I was talking to Jared and Jeff Winchell before our game is like the werewolves just play defense. Like even against lob city, you could just see it. Like, so they're younger and I know we're all young, right. But they're younger compared to other teams in the league. And they're just like constantly playing defense and they may not be the biggest team. Like we've talked about, they're not, you know, they may not be the most athletic team. And now they're going to hate me for saying things like this, but whatever they, they're, they move, they, you know, they move their butt, right. They're playing defense the entire game and you saw it against lob city. And so against bogey kicks going from playing the Lincoln 18ers right now, they're, you know, not that they don't play defense. Cause now I'm catching myself where I'm going to have to diss somebody. Right. But now they get a werewolves team um, that is going to play defense for sure for the full game. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. Uh, we're going to save the, obvious game of the week and we'll let you all touch on that one can tim with a head nod do warriors in sin city is that going to be all right we'll figure it out with the warriors okay cool he doesn't seem too confident but we do have the rhode island warriors <laughs> taking on sin city both teams are two and two so we got a couple of two and two matchups uh in week five Tim, the key to that one, again, we'll go besides the obvious Gian Avendisi and not missing from three. I mean, that's a key every week uh, to give you a good chance to win. But what else are you looking for in that one? Um, yeah, uh, Gian, of course, is a big part of it. I mean, I'm looking to see. I consider Taj Eddington one of the best defenders of guards in the league. I'm interested to see how he does on Gian. Um also, I'm excited to see if Figueredo shows up this week. The matchup between him and Devin Pina could definitely be a significant one to look out for. Pina, he didn't have his usual stat line this week. I think he might come out a little hungry next week and really put the ball in the basket. Um, yeah, I think this should be a really close game, and I definitely uh, matchup of the week. Yeah, and it, it would be um, if we didn't have the showdown. So two undefeated teams. One of them will not be undefeated after week five. The Duyez boys take on Lob City, uh, and that'll be at 8 o'clock. So that'll be the game of the week. Nice and easy. We'll break the news now. Uh, we can go Caesar, Ryan, Tim. We'll let you guys all jump in there, even if you keep it short. But you guys are doing great doing that. Anyway, the key for you in that one, as we get a possible finals. Uh, they haven't played in the finals. They have not. So that would be. 
that would be the first time they meet in the finals, but a, a finals preview potentially. Caesar, what's the key for you in that one? Uh, well, I think to keep it simple, I think the key for Lob City is if they need everyone on their team to show up because Lob City and Duye's boys, they're two of the deepest teams in the league. So being able to get your starters some rest and then get some valuable production from off the bench I, for both teams, I think that's going to be huge. And whoever gets more production from their bench is, I think, going to be the winner. For sure. Ryan, your key in that one? Yeah, I think it will be um, how does uh, Lob City match up with that death lineup of the Duye boys when they sub in? And I think that I think that for stretches of that game, that will be a key determinant of who will ultimately win that one. Yeah, for sure. Tim, go right ahead. Um, yeah, uh, I'm interested to see how Duyez is going to handle Jose Mercado, just because they've handled players with size, but you know, Jose Mercado, he's kind of like a different animal in terms of that. Um, so yeah, also like Ryan said, I'm interested to see how their small death lineup. Uh, is going to look against that. I'm also interested to see how Shane Patrick's going to look against bigs like Nuri and bigs like Jose and bigs like Colin Burns, guys that are really hard to handle. Yeah, for sure. All right, awesome. And so let's um, let's go the same order. You just get to make a pick. So you're saying just the team name, Lob City or Duyez, Caesar? Lob City. Okay. Ryan? Uh, I'll take Duyez. All right, and then I'm behind on the screen. All right, so we got one each, Tim. I'm taking Lob City. All right, so two for two for Lob, one for Duyez, and that's good. That's good. That's how you know it'll be a fun time. Um, between the other games, and again, keep it semi-short, then we'll get out. Eh, we're going to – no, I changed my mind. I'm going to give you a different question, then we're going to get out. We're going to save the picking of the games for the podcast. So they will pick each game. They'll give you spreads, all that good stuff. We picked the game of the week. That's good enough. Let's do this. We will stick in the same order just so you guys have some time to prepare. So Caesar gets the hard job, but he didn't want to suck up earlier. So that's the position you find yourself in. Um, as far as the question, let's go with your team. So obviously not the two teams in the game of the week, but your team that you like to be that number three seed. So who do you think basically out of those teams that are two and two, or I guess we could throw the ozone boys into it and no one's mathematically eliminated from getting that three seed yet, but even sticking to those six teams, right? Um, what team do you think right now is the third best team? Forget, yeah, let's do that. What team right now through four games is the third best team, Caesar? Well, I'm going to stick with it all year. I think Sin City is the third best team. I don't think they're playing as well as they could be, but that's a team right there. I really like them. Perfect. All right. I love it. And then Ryan. So yeah, what team do you, is third best right now? So not because things are going to change, right? You know, it, it, the schedule is going to play a factor and all that stuff, but who's the third best team right now? Uh, I'm going to take the Warriors because I think John's playing at an MVP level. He's definitely one of the best players in the league. And I think when you can carry it, carry a team like he has for most of the season um, and seeing as they haven't had Kevin Figueroa, They've only had him for a couple of games so far. Hopefully he can come back and help that team. Uh, I think that will be big for them. All right, Tim. Well, luckily I'm also going with a different team. I think the werewolves are the third best team in the league. Um, 
I just think their problems come down to subbing and getting tired. I really think they have the talent to compete with everyone. They just went head-to-head with Lob this past week, albeit missing players. But, I mean, still impressive to go head-to-head against Lob. They don't play many close games. So, yeah, I've been impressed uh, so far with Werewolves, and they're not their best team. Nice. All right. That means it's a good question. If we got three different answers, that means from that log jam, we just didn't mention only the fam halfway crooks, the ozone boys. And I guess technically the Lincoln 18ers are over there listening like guys, we're one in three, two, what the heck is going on? Um, So they get left out of the conversation as well. You know, I don't know if anybody cares. You guys know who my pick is for the third best team. So we can, you know, we'll have that conversation another day. Um, Guys, good job on the show this week, week five, we're getting there. Oh, wow. Halfway through the season. All right. And then we got some playoff action. So for Tim, Caesar, and Ryan, I'm Joey. Good job on the postgame show. We'll see you guys after the 4th of July for week five. Thanks for watching.